we are going to introduce a new series today called NUMA. NUMA, the indispensable role of the Holy Spirit. You know, and the thing that I think is so powerful <clears throat> about the Holy Spirit is that you ask yourself the question, what really changes a person? How does change and transformation actually happen? A lot of people think it comes, up, comes out to doctrine. You gotta think different. And certainly your mind is powerful. Some people think that you gotta have an experience and that, that experience is the thing that changes everything. Well, I know a lot of people who have experiences and they don't end up changing. I think there's a fundamental mystery to this question, right? But I can tell you that the, the answer to change, the answer of how a person changes, how a person becomes transformed is relationship. Relationships transform people. You think about it, your kids, if you, if you have kids, they, when they started out and you had them, they were such sweet, innocent, beautiful babes. And what happened to them? Something happens and they start being the most selfish, irritating little creatures ever known to mankind. And yet, and yet, over the years, the relationship between parent and child can transform a child, both in very good ways and very bad ways, depending on the parent. I'm about to celebrate 30 years with my beautiful bride this summer. 30 years of wonderful wedded bliss. I'm telling you, this is an amazing woman. The reason I am the man I am today is because of Jesus and Amy Parsley. She is an incredible person. Does she have flaws? Sure she does, but I barely see them anymore. She's worn me down. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. There is a there is a bit of a mystery to marriages that last a long time. And I I, I can't believe it's been 30 years for us, but um, this summer we'll go on a little 30-year uh, getaway, and and we're just gonna enjoy each other, and we're looking so forward to it, like like we believe in each other in a way that I don't know if I ever knew or understood was possible when I stood on a stage in a church and said, I do, 30 years ago. There's a mystery to it. I'm still, I'm still discovering things about her. She's still discovering things about me. Seems impossible, but it's true. The other day we were riding in the car and we're arguing about something and she said, do you not know me at all? I said, I guess I don't. I wanna talk to you about the, the mystery of a relationship with God today. The mystery of a relationship with God and that mystery really resides in the Holy Spirit. 
And I want to talk about it today as a, as a launching point of where we're going to go, because we're going to spend seven or eight weeks talking about the Holy Spirit, and we're going to end it with a, uh, a night of worship, and we're going we're to talk about what it means to live and walk in the Holy Spirit to walk with the Spirit. And so let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today and we ask for it to come alive to us and in us and through us. Would you speak to us today by your Spirit? Make the words come alive as only your Spirit can today in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I wanna start with a story in the scriptures of a man who was trying to figure out Jesus. Jesus was a mystery to him. His name was Nicodemus. John chapter three, verse one through eight. If you wanna join me there, you can join me with uh, message notes on the QR code right on your seat back or uh, in the link there. For those of you who are online, we're gonna read this passage, John three, one through eight in the New Living Translation. It says, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. Pharisees were religious leaders who were the most aggressive sect of Judaism. And they knew the scriptures better than anyone else and they felt, felt that they were the keepers of the word of God and kind of in charge of helping, um, making sure people knew what was required of them. Verse two says, after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Nicodemus sounds really dumb at this point. You gotta see what was happening. Number one, he's coming under the dark of night. He's trying to come to Jesus at a time when no one else will see him. Jesus is controversial in the religious community at this time, but he knew there was something supernatural about Jesus. He knows there's something that Jesus has that he doesn't have. He knows the word as it was known then, the Torah. He knows it backwards and forwards, but there's something else that Jesus has. He's trying to figure it out. Jesus says, you gotta be born again. And he says, "Uh, going back into my mother's womb. Ooh. (laughs) Verse five, Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life. Now watch this. Humans can produce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Listen, One Chapel, life is hard. Let's face it. Look around. Challenges abound. All kinds of things Frustrations have multiplied over the last few years in a way that I don't know that I've ever experienced in my lifetime. The abundant and full life that Jesus seems to promise feels elusive. But I want you to know we have a helper, a healer, 
a presence, a power that changes everything about how we live. And we have to get in touch with that. It's a deeply personal relationship with the Holy Spirit that you and I need to have. It is indispensable because without the Holy Spirit, you, you and I can't conquer our sinfulness. We can't. Without the Holy Spirit, we can't truly love others. Without the Holy Spirit, we can't survive persecution. Can't live like Jesus at all, actually. Without the Holy Spirit, we can't even be born again, is what Jesus says. Now, when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, I know it kind of weirds some of you out. Some of you have got some history or you've got some kind of experience as a child um, where you don't know what to think about the Holy Spirit, so you're wondering, what is Pastor Ross going to say over the next few weeks? I don't know if I should come to church or not, but you should come just to watch, <laughs> just to find out, just to be curious. Like Nicodemus, all of us need to understand what this idea is. What, what is the Holy Spirit? It's like, it's like we, okay, the Holy Spirit, he's a spirit, but he's holy. What does that mean? The King James Version calls him the Holy Ghost. That's even weirder. Is he friends with Casper? What is it? For those of you under 30, that's a cartoon reference. Sorry, my age is showing. Orthodox Christianity has always embraced the Holy Spirit as the third person of the Trinity. The Nicene Creed that we just said together is a Trinitarian creed. It talks about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In fact, in our day, especially in places like Texas, there's a, there's a thinking that the Trinity means the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. But, which is understandable because the scriptures are very tangible. You can study them. They're readable. See, we get, here's the problem. We get the other two members of the Trinity. The Father, we get that. It's like we have a picture of a father and what a father is, what a father does. God the Father is, is the creator, the sustainer of all things and, and, and the universe. That makes sense. The Son, right? We all understand what a son is. Jesus is the Son of God. He's the offspring. And, and so we get that he came as a son and the Savior, Lord of all. He's, the scripture calls him the high priest who took on uh, the sacrifice for sin. We understand that. But then the Holy Spirit is what? What is the Holy Spirit? Like the third wheel? The bronze medalist of the Trinity? What, what, what is the Holy Spirit? He's the, the errand boy of Jesus and his dad? What is, who is the Holy Spirit? Most of you think the Holy Spirit is the crazy uncle. The crazy uncle. For some of you, the Holy Ghost conjures up images of swinging from the chandeliers. Good news, we don't have any chandeliers here. Others of you are recovering from some legalistic Pentecostal experience. But listen, we need to embrace the Holy Spirit as we do the Father and the Son. And, the, and it's because he's God. It's a bit of a mystery. But listen, God is so relational. 
He is relational in his essence. Before he created humans, he was relational. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in loving, serving, giving relationship with one another. And what happened is, God invited humans to join those relationships, to join together with him. And, and now as he has invited us into it, and I think the Holy Spirit is, is so confusing sometimes because it, 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 people are uncomfortable with his name. So think about it this way. What if the Holy Spirit had a more proper name like, um, like Bill? Bill, like, because the Holy Spirit had a regular name like Bill, we could say, you know, I'm going to go talk to Bill about this thing that I'm struggling with. Instead of saying, I'm planning on seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit on the matter. Just sounds weird. If the Holy Spirit had a name like Bill, formal churches could call him William. <laughs> and then uh, crazy churches could call him Billy. You know, it'd be perfect. I'm just kidding. What I think... But what I think confuses us sometimes is we don't understand that Holy Spirit is not just a name. It is a name, but it's not only a name. It's a role. It's a description of his role, just like the Father and the Son. It describes the specific role that he is in our lives. And this brings us back to the word spirit that we just talked about in John 3. When Jesus is describing to Nicodemus that word spirit, he's using a Greek word, and that Greek word, as you could guess, is pneuma. Pneuma means breath or wind. The work of the spirit, he says, or pneuma, is invisible and mysterious like the blowing of the wind, also the word pneuma. And so the Holy Spirit is the very breath and the wind of God which moves in and through our lives. This is such a challenging idea to Nicodemus because he doesn't understand what it means to be born again. But he's saying, he's, Jesus is saying to him, spiritual life only comes from the Holy Spirit. That's why, listen, I've led lots of people in prayers to follow Jesus over the years of life and ministry and my career as a pastor. I've led lots of people to Follow Jesus in a prayer. But that's not the thing that makes it work. Some people just pray a prayer because they're desperate to get out of whatever they've gotten themselves into. Some people pray a prayer, they don't even understand the words that they're saying. They just kind of like, yeah, I feel something and I want to participate. Some people... They pray one day with the pastor and the next day they're just, it's all gone. What's the difference between a person who prays and meets Jesus powerfully in that moment and the person who just prays to get out of their trouble? I would say to you that it is the Holy Spirit and what he does in a person that changes everything. It's not the magic words of the prayer I mean, you know, you've prayed before. Some of your prayers have been horrendous. <laughs> You're thankful that God didn't answer some of the prayers you prayed. <laughs> right? What, what, what changes a person is the activity of the Holy Spirit 
the mystery and the miracle of being born again. Born again. The miracle and the mystery of, a, of the Holy Spirit working inside of a person. This is what Jesus is explaining to Nicodemus. And he's saying you have to be twice born. Once physically, once spiritually. This is significant for us to understand because we're not talking about just having a spiritual experience either. Lots of people have spiritual experiences. I don't know if you know this, but Austin's a very spiritual town. There's a lot of spiritual stuff that happens around here. People are into it. They're into the trees. They're into the crystals. They're into the stuff that seems to give off some kind of energy, right? And it, that's the weird part. It, the earth does give off some kind of energy. I think they just assign the wrong spirit to the energy. <laughs> I just did a, I, I, one of the things I hear a lot in Austin is, you know, I'm not a really uh, religious, but I am deeply spiritual. Um, that's code for I'm kind of doing it on my own, figuring it out as I go. I, I actually Googled, I Googled spirituality in Austin this week. Here's what I found. I found a few different interesting things. Te- Temple of Source is one uh, group of people finding source through the, through the heart and chakra clearing. Mesophysical and holistic life expo was another thing that I found in Austin. Overnight sacred medicine celebration. Full moon ritual, release and reclamation, breath work and sound healing. All kinds of spiritual activities that create spiritual experiences. And I will, sell, I will tell you, those, those experiences, those spiritual experiences are quite real. Because there is a spiritual world around us. And I think most Americans now have believed that and, and kind of take it for granted. So they don't think deeply about what spirit they're tapping into. Uh, I can tell you that I believe that when the Holy Spirit comes into a person, he starts by doing something brand new in their life, way down deep on the inside, and they are born again. They are born again spiritually. Here's how the Apostle Paul describes it, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He says, this means anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, the new life has begun. The problem is, it takes a while to get rid of that old life, (laughs) and the new life starts working its way out. Christianity is always an inside-out job. It's not an outside-in. It's not a, I became a Christian, so now I have to do all these things. No, no, you, you, God has done something on the inside of you. There's a Holy Spirit birth that happened on the inside of you, and it begins to start a chain reaction process of God working his way out into your habits and into your thoughts and into your activities and into the way you see the world. And that's what, people, that's all we're doing here. That's all this is. That's all a small group is doing. That's all a team is doing, is helping facilitate a new way to see the world and a new way to act in the world that God gave us. The brokenness of our world, the way it is, the messed up dynamics of it, even our own trauma and our own history, he's cleaning it up. He's taking care of it. He's working his healing a little bit at a time. And it doesn't have, I mean, I, I want it to happen like that. I have found that there's 
one thing in the scripture that happens instantaneously, and that is forgiveness in the, as a response to repentance. Forgiveness, re- repentant heart, instant forgiveness. <laughs> Sadly, I must inform you that the rest is all process. But here's the good news, the Holy Spirit is here to help that process, to facilitate it, to walk with you. Here's how the Bible describes it. It's the Message Bible here I'm gonna read out of. It's a modern translation, but I read it because it describes how we have to be attentive to what the Holy Spirit is doing. Ephesians 4.30 says, don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Don't take such a gift for granted. The miracle of the all-powerful, all-knowing creator of the universe interacting with us, imperfect, flawed, foolish, and willful humans, that's what the Holy Spirit does. Listen, a relationship with the Holy Spirit requires humility, it requires faith, it requires attentiveness, and it requires a sensitivity. It requires all these things to walk with the Holy Spirit. And it's challenging to do it. But let me assure you, if you have any doubt, the Holy Spirit is God himself. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to the beginning. Genesis 1. From the beginning, the scriptures have uh, record that the Holy Spirit's active throughout creation history. Genesis 1 verse 2 says, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That word hover here is the same word for flutter. Fluttering, and it's used in Deuteronomy 32, 11, describing a picture of an eagle fluttering its wings over its young, sending vibrations of love and care and protection. Genesis points out, now you've got to see this, that the Holy Spirit produced vibrations generating the energy necessary to bring order and life out of chaos. That's what was happening in the creation of the world. Now, as I said, I think there's a lot of counterfeits to this. The Holy Spirit is the original, and then there's a whole bunch of counterfeit energies that everybody likes to tap into. They're they're counterfeit, and they, they don't end in life transformation to the good. They always end up in life transformation to the worse, the bad. And so look at this in Genesis 2, 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. You guys, check this out. You've read that scripture before, most of you. Some of you, you're, you're just listening to me trying to figure out what I'm saying. <laughs> but when man was created, most of us see this picture of God breathing into Adam like CPR. Like he created him and then he breathed into him. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and, then, and then oxygen came into his lungs and then he was a human. That's not what this means. What this verse means is that God breathed in him the spirit of life. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of life. If you think about how Jesus was raised from the dead in the New Testament, it says that the Spirit raised him from the dead. So so God is breathing 
into Adam, the spirit of life. Well, here, here's, the, here's the thing. How do I know that? God says just a few verses later that if Adam and Eve eat of the forbidden fruit, you remember the forbidden fruit? Okay, it's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat of the forbidden fruit, you will die. Sure enough, next chapter, just a few verses later, they eat of the forbidden fruit. They take, they choose their own way instead of God's way. They eat of the only tree in the garden that he said, don't eat from this. You can eat everything else. Just don't eat, don't eat this one. Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They took knowledge for themselves and decided they wanted to be like God on their own. And when they did that, they died. But interestingly enough, they were still breathing. They were like dead people walking. This describes humanity as we know it. Dead people trying to feel alive. Trying to do anything they can to make themselves feel alive. Adventure, career, all kinds of drugs, sex, anything they can do to make themselves feel alive. But it's so hard to feel alive when you're dead inside. And so we look at how God does this in the Old Testament. The, are you guys still with me? Yeah. The, the Old Testament, the Spirit of God came upon people for special tasks and assignments. Here it is, Gideon, Judges 6.34. It says, then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew the trumpet. Samson's another one, Judges 14.6. says, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands. King Saul, 1 Samuel 10.10, the Spirit of God came upon him in power and he joined in their prophesying. It's clear the Spirit of God was active from the beginning throughout the Old Testament, even through the prophets over and over again. He spoke through the prophets like Isaiah 61.1 says, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to comfort the brokenhearted to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. See, the Holy Spirit came upon them, but he was, not, he was not living in them to change their basic nature. The spirit of life would be ushered in in the new age that Jesus brought to, into the world. The new age of God's kingdom. And Jesus became the second Adam, right? And God is breathing his spirit of life into Jesus and he's the one who came to take our sins upon himself. He died, he was placed in a grave, and three days later he rose again by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he says to his disciples, I want you to wait, I want you to hang out here until the Spirit comes upon you. In Acts chapter two, the New Testament, the Spirit of God begins to dwell in people. God breathes on them in a new way because of Jesus. And he becomes our helper, our comforter, our counselor. And you guys, you guys, hey, what I want to convince you of today is that life is almost impossible to live without the Holy Spirit. Without daily interaction and conversation with the Holy Spirit. That he's part of the journey. And Jesus is living in us how is he living in us? How does it happen? How does it work? Is he a little pet Jesus? Oh, it's a nice little Jesus in my heart. Nice little cross around my neck. No. He's, Jesus is living in you, 
through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. Here's just a few of the benefits of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3 says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of you. John 14, 16 says the Holy Spirit will be in you. John 14, 26 says the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything I have said. Jesus said that. Do you know why that's so awesome? Why would it be important for Jesus to say the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything I said? Because you forget. I forget. I forget what Jesus said. He says so many good things. I need somebody to help me remember them. Sadly, that is not Pastor Ross for you. That is the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 6 says, the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Yes, the Spirit is into mind control. Luke 12, 11 says, the Holy Spirit will help us know what to say. Did you ever feel like you don't know what to say? Do you ever feel like you get to a situation you just have no idea what to say to the other person? Do you ever feel like you want to tell somebody about Jesus, but you're just so freaked out you can't figure out what to say? That's why you need the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 15 through 16 says the Holy Spirit helps us remember that we are adopted as God's children. Romans 15, 13 says the Holy Spirit is the source of our hope. This is how we can have hope because we have the Spirit of God living within us. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18, the Holy Spirit brings freedom to us as there's two things we've needed the last couple years. It's hope and freedom. Man, I can tell you as your pastor, a bunch of us forgot the hope that is living within us. We got embroiled on all kinds of stuff we shouldn't even have been touching. We got all kinds, all kinds of worry and anxiety and we were chained up a little bit. We didn't have freedom. We'd forgotten that the Holy Spirit helps us. So here's the real question that, that I want you to start wrestling with. How do we know who the Holy Spirit is to us? So he has all these things that he does. He do, all, these thi- all these things that he brings into our lives. If you're trying to figure out what's the Holy Spirit And what's you? That's a good question. What's the Holy Spirit and what's Pastor Ross? Oh no, they're one. That's it. Just kidding. How do you know if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you? How do you know you can hear his voice? I'm going to give you two things that you can always know and check that this is the Holy Spirit by these two things. Are you ready? Number one, the Holy Spirit always glorifies Jesus. Jesus said that he would come and glorify himself. John 16, 13 through 14 says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me, Jesus said, that he will receive what he will make known to you. This is another Trinitarian scripture because you see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in that passage. They're all collaborating on communicating what they're doing to you and me. Above all else, the Holy Spirit glorifies the good news of Jesus and the life-giving ministry of Jesus. If Jesus isn't glorified in the conversation, the activity, or the thought patterns, it's not of the Holy Spirit. That's how you can know. The question you must answer to tell what is and is not from the Holy Spirit, does it glorify Jesus? And more of us should be asking that question. 
before we post on Facebook. More of us should be asking that question before we go out on that date with that hot guy. More of, us, more of us should be asking this question when we're filling out our taxes. Just got serious in here. Just got real. What does the word glorify mean? The Greek word is blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Dexadzo, I think it is. Which means to ascribe weight by recognizing real substance, value and valuing him for who he truly is. For example, giving and ascribing glory to God. The Holy Spirit gives weight and real substance to Jesus. He helps people value Jesus for who he is. He reveals who Jesus is. He's working in you to reveal what Jesus has done, to help you remember what he said. He's working in our city calling on people, we'll talk about this in the coming weeks, where he's calling them to himself. He's convicting them of sins they don't even know they're committing. He's drawing them them to the Father and to the work of Christ. I don't know exactly how this works, but the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus and proclaims his grace. He's kind of like, he's kind of like a light bulb. When you turn on a light bulb, do you stare at the light bulb and go, ooh, beautiful light bulb. It's so beautiful, it's so awesome. No, the light bulb gives light to everything around it. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't glorify himself. Oh, look at the light, look at the light, the light is so awesome, love it. No. He's glorifying Jesus. He doesn't glorify himself. Some of us think when we're using a gift of the Holy Spirit, we get the glorification thing wrong, right? Like, oh, I'm, I'm pretty awesome. Do you see how the Spirit used me? Not the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit doesn't glorify you, doesn't glorify me, doesn't glorify anything but Jesus himself. And number two, he's always a good gift. Number two, he's always a good gift. Look at how Luke records Jesus' words in Luke 11, 9 through 13. I want the band to come up. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, I always like it when Jesus says this, it's like, you losers, when you losers know how to give good things to your kids, don't you think that your father, your heavenly father, here's what he says, If you sinful people knows how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Everybody say more. Say it one more time. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And it's interesting that this verse tells tells us to keep on asking. People get caught up with this scripture sometimes. Why do I have to keep asking, keep on knocking? Well, there's two reasons. One is, there's just so much of the Holy Spirit to experience. There's so much of God 
that you can't take it all at one time. You gotta, you gotta allow him to pour himself into you in a daily manner. And the second reason that we have to keep on asking and keep on inviting, I would say, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, is a very simple, practical reason. <laughs> All humans leak. We leak. Hey, if you've got bitterness in you, guess what? It's going to leak out. Bitterness. If you've got hurt and all kinds of stuff in you and you can't resolve it, unforgiveness, it's all going to leak out of you. Anger, it's going to leak out of you at work with your family. I can tell you the only person who's powerful enough to deal with that anger at its root and its source is the Holy Spirit. The work of Christ by the Spirit. There is a, there is a mystery to it. But there's a, there's a sensitivity and a seeking and an asking that we've got to engage in. And I want to challenge you over the next several weeks. I want you to ask for the work of the Spirit in your life. This is your action step. This week in your small groups, I want you to talk about your action step. What is it? Ask God to reveal the Holy Spirit to you. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you up every day. Next Sunday, we'll, I'll ask you how you did. <laughs> You'll be able to identify Thursday was the day I didn't ask. There's a, there's a daily thing that I think we've got to invite him in. There's a collaborative aspect to the work of the Spirit in us. There's life being breathed into us. And I want you to be convinced that that is what you need. Not by me, but by God himself. And so we're gonna receive communion here together as our final act. And so if you just take that little communion element, our final act today in our service, those of you on the front row, I think you have little communion elements down there and I want you to I, you know there's two levels to this you gotta, t you gotta take away the, the first level and you don't pull it all the way off you just take it and then you take this little wafer and put it in your hand why don't you just do that right now with me and I'm gonna pray over it before we receive it and I just want you to remember that this little wafer represents the body of Christ the body of Jesus himself, the brokenness. Hey, hey, you can be free of all your sins because of Jesus' broken body. You can receive forgiveness and healing because of his broken body and his spilled blood. That's what this is. We're remembering Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit is active here right now among us because he's glorifying Jesus. And I want us to let Jesus do his work. I want by the Spirit for us to be open to being cleaned up, washed. And we're gonna worship God together. So when you're ready to take this, you, 
you pray, you take a few moments to pray. And when you're ready, we're gonna sing, we're gonna just worship God together. And then I want you to receive that when you're ready, okay? And it, listen, if you feel, don't feel under pressure. If you're here for the first time or maybe you're like just not sure what this thing's all about and why are we doing pop-top communion? It's a long story, I don't have time to get into it. But here's the, here's the thing, no pressure, no pressure. You just sit and receive from what God wants to do. If you want to join us, we want you to join us. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for Jesus and we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you are with us and your presence and your power are here, not, not because we have done anything, but because you loved us so much. You sent Jesus to the earth and he took on our history, our sins, all the sins of every person who's ever lived and he took it upon himself. He was full of the Holy Spirit and he gave his life for us. He laid it down. We thank you for that. Let his work have its way in our lives today. We thank you for the broken body that heals us, heals our broken bodies, makes us whole. Thank you for the, the cup, the blood of Jesus that represents forgiveness. And Lord, we thank you that the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit lifted Jesus out of the grave to punctuate the power that was on display for the whole world to see. Pray for that resurrection life to stir within us today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.